so Tyler, did you see what trailer dropped today? Or maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was today. I can't remember. For a horror movie? Mm, I didn't. No, I didn't see the trailer. The new Scream. Uh, oh, you should take a moment to just like wax on about your love of Scream because I know <laughs> from way back when. That was like... 2011. I mean, yeah. That was when Scream 4 came out. That was when the most recent Scream has come out since the third one came out, which I can't remember when that... That was probably 2004 or 3 or 2 even. Um, Did you see the first one? In no, the I didn't. I saw it on DVD. I would have been too scared because it came out when I was... 13 or 14 um so i saw it on dvd when i was about 14 maybe and it scared me so much but i liked it i would like watch it on fast forward in certain moments and then i would like hit pause i'd run out of the room and i go tell my mom what just happened she probably didn't she was like what are you watching chris because i wasn't really allowed to watch uh <laughs> um like rated r movies so i i don't know why what I, maybe i was 15 i don't know it was so good though and then i would my friend came over and she and i were watching it and just loved it it was scary but it was a whodunit um and i didn't really get the references at that age of being meta about like what horror films are uh which wes craven brilliantly did with this film he also sort of dabbled in that before but this is the one that everyone points to as what really took a commentary stance on horror movies of the 80s and 90s and or really created what the 90s slasher film was and then everyone tried to mimic it afterwards it didn't do as great of a job that's what I was going to say is that it's it's funny how, you know, he was mimicking horror culture at that time. And then it also is in, on its own. The Scream franchise has become a touchstone and like an homage. You know, other people make homages to mm-hmm. Scream. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the opening sequence with Drew Barrymore is iconic in horror films or in regular film. In film, in, in film in, for any cinephile, they know that scene. It's so amazing because it kind of goes the Janet Lee route. In Psycho, where you think you're with your main character, but something happens, and I, most people on this podcast have probably already seen Scream, and if you have not, please go watch it so we know you know what we're talking about. Anyway, the new one is coming out uh, without Wes Craven behind it, because R.I.P., he died. Um, but it's taken on by um, two younger filmmakers who have done some films, uh, parts of VHS, and they did Ready or Not, which is a really good film. Um, so I'm super pumped. It's really good. So you haven't seen that, but you have seen the Halloween kills, uh, trailer the, that's coming out this weekend. As I was about to say <laughs> is that it's, you know, of course we are continuing to live in the age of sequels and that one looks awesome. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis back in it. It looks, super it looks cool. amazing. And they're bringing back all the old people from, Again, this is sort of a reboot of the sequel. Um, or the, the first Halloween 2018 was kind of a reboot of what happened after the first Halloween. So they're wiping clean. This is like the third time they've <laughs> wiped clean the slate to do a different kind of branch of what the story could be. Um, and I really like this one. But they're bringing back um, the kids that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was babysitting back in the day. Um, they're all grown up now. Um, some of the, like, the bullies that were in the school. So they're bringing back all these characters who are all adults now. It looks fantastic. I, I'm not going to be able to see it opening weekend because I'm on a trip, but as soon as I come back, I'm seeing it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm psyched too. Those are some good ones. We're, uh, it's it's a good good time of year. <laughs> we're in the thick of it. That. I love it. Uh, well, 
speaking of, should we get on with uh, our show? Let's dive in. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? For real quick, when I looked up the title of this episode before I sat down to watch it, I did not realize that this is episode nine. This is the second to last episode. That's crazy. That's right. That's right. We are one episode away from the end uh i mean (laughs) how you feeling (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't even know what i want to happen in the finale i mean i do i what i what i wanted to happen was some tie back to red tie um i don't in terms of our um death valley kind of timeline i don't i don't know what i want to happen and i assume that's something we'll we'll dig into soon um how are you feeling about everything i feel like this should be called american horror story conspiracy stories or theories <laughs> you know it's true i mean but yeah. yeah i mean maybe red tide had a bit of that too though so i guess that's kind of true. a little bit of the, the through thread between both pieces of double feature yeah um i, I would say this let's is see. this is very much feeling like a double feature where you're getting just two separate disparate stories that are both in the same genre-esque but nothing that's really tying them completely together except for a few actors. And that's kind of how, you know, Grindhouse double features often were. Yeah, it's a more classic format than I think we are anticipating, assuming that next episode they don't connect it all together, which we, we, yeah. we got a little teaser of what happens in the uh, finale, but they didn't give away much. So it's hard to say. It's still possible. Maybe they're keeping it from us. But as we've kind of said, the way this seems like it's heading, it, you know, I'm not entirely sure how they'd connect the dots, but maybe they will. Maybe they still will. Before we dive into the guts of this episode, as always, we want to thank you all for uh, reaching out with your thoughts and theories to us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com, and also for commenting on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory, sending us messages. I will admit that I forgot to post (laughs) um, that we had a new episode. I know that there's like a Facebook feed thing that... uh, Spits out. Um, Y'all, Facebook posts. is really See, confusing these days with how yeah, it's... Yeah, now there's like a, a business suite thing that you, even if you have any page, there's a business suite and it's hard to navigate and it's kind of a pain in the ass. So anyway, I apologize for not posting. Hopefully everyone found the episode okay. Tyler was texting uh, me, guys, asking me like, hey, do you know how to get to the, to, to the messages here? Because I can't find them. And then I spent 10 minutes trying to find them and couldn't find... It's a, it's a lot more convoluted than it used to be. So if you're sending us messages, we will find them eventually if, if we have not responded to you. We will. Maybe we're just old. I don't know. I, I'd like to blame <laughs> Facebook. Technology. Oof. Mm-hmm. I, I want to spin through. We got some good comments and some interesting theories and things. Background information uh, from folks between last week and this week that I want to spin through. First of all, I want to begin by saying, Chris... You screwed up your American history a little bit. And oh, no. took notice. Yeah. Oh, no. What did I, I do? I think last week, last week, I think you had mentioned, uh, you were referencing Herbert Hoover in their conversations. Uh-huh. When they were really talking about J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the CIA, you know, uh, portrayed by Leonardo DiCaprio in that Clint Eastwood movie. Um, 
that's kind of where all this covert Uh-oh, stuff got tie, tied together. So we're talking about J. Edgar here, not Herbert. Um, although Herbert was a president of the uh, beginning of World War II, I believe, um, or during the Great Depression. Even, sorry, it was during the Great Depression, not during World War II. Um, well, I'm, in, I'm a dummy. I, I know. We were looking up history on the fly, so that I stuff was, happens. I was a biology thinking. major. Yeah. You were also drinking, so we forgive you for yeah. that, too. <laughs> uh, other thing I wanted to point out is that there's a lot of people who reached out and noticed a lot of anachronisms in last episode, including mm. the fact that while the Eisenhowers were having a microwave dinner, they were eating it on like metal trays, obviously. Yeah. You know, it, or, that's not safe. It, yeah, wasn't wasn't making a lot of sense. And I think there might have been a couple others. So there was some discussion about whether or not that was intentional or whether it was an oversight. I don't know if you have a thought one way or another. Um uh, you know, I think it, I think it registered in the moment, but then something happened, and I just kept moving past it. But it is a good thing to point out that that it, that does that that's not that's not how that works, right? Exactly. So unclear if that was a message they were necessarily trying to send or not. Um, but so so there was that one. Also, Herbert Hoover, yes, it was during the uh, Great Depression. Not during World War II, so I want to make that clear so I don't screw up my history as well. Hmm. Another thing I wanted to note, Mark via email sent this interesting tidbit. Uh, he wanted to talk about the Harvard Luddite Club that Kendall is a part of. It made him think of uh, the most famous Luddite of the 21st century, uh, Ted Kaczynski, Oof. who went to undergrad at Harvard and participated in really intense psychological experiments where he was there... Uh, that have, some have suggested were part of the CIA's MK Ultra program, um, and so he, he uh, Mark pointed out that this seems like a, a pretty possible nod toward Kaczynski um, to have the Luddite Club at Harvard instead of maybe at you know Princeton, Yale, some other mm-hmm. Ivy League university. Uh, Mark also mentioned that this alien breeding storyline reminded him of a plot by um, of a Octavia Butler series oh, called yeah. Brood. Have you have you read those? I wasn't familiar. Par- the, the parable of the sower, yes. Mm, okay, so apparently in that series, it involves aliens forcing humans to breed with them in somewhat mutually beneficial, but also exploitative, uh, in, in an exploitative dynamic. So it does seem like there is some uh, homage, you know, shades of Octavia Butler in there. And then finally, the last thing I was going to point out: we had this. Go ahead. I was just say Octavia Butler is fantastic. Everyone should try to read something of hers at, at some point. The whole yeah genre that she delves into is phenomenal. Yeah. And finally, Rob uh, reached out, and you know, you and I have been talking about why Steve Jobs, why Apple. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit more clear in this episode. Yeah. But after last episode, <laughs> he made the connection between just the whole Area Fifty One birthing space feeling very much like an apple store with everything being white and stuff oh like that. that's i like that obviously you know alien technology now we're seeing that alien you know uh maybe the aliens gave steve jobs the technology to build all this stuff and so that connection is a little bit more more clear um so it just seems kind of like a fun thing they included not really doesn't seem like there's a clear reason other than they just wanted to reference a real person which of course we know they always like to do mm-hmm so with that being said, that wraps up our comments from this episode. As always, please reach out and uh, send us your thoughts in advance of next week's finale because we do want to hear those. 
And um, I don't know. Before we dive into Blue Moon, Chris, what are you drinking this evening? I have some more cider and a little less bourbon than I usually put in because I have to get up early tomorrow morning. But uh, bourbon and cider, uh, Four Roses. What are you drinking? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Everyone should know Chris is flying. He has a flight that leaves at 5.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. But well, very generous, my flight, too. <laughs> my flight leaves at 9, but I have to drive all the way to the airport um, to get there by 7, to park, to get there. So anyway, my flight's at 9 a.m., but I have to leave at 5.30 from my house. Mm, that's right. So he's he's being a mature adult tonight when it comes to uh, <laughs> adult beverages. But so am I-ish. Uh, I'm drinking a finger, maybe <laughs> a finger and a half of scotch. So Ooh, nice. Cheers to you. Yeah. Cheers. Now, Chris, take us through the cold open of Blue Moon. Sure. Uh, we start in 1954. We have Eisenhower, who does not, they're all at the table. He does not want to sign this deal, this treaty with the aliens, even though at the moment the alien being is has taken over Mamie's body. Um, uh, and he doesn't want to do it because it's con- going to condemn thousands of Americans to torture. If, if you remember from last episode, um, there's, they want this deal where they can take so many American Americans to do some uh, experiments to create this hybrid species between the alien and humans. Um, Mamie, as the alien, threatens to walk this technology over to the Soviet Union again, <laughs> um, and then she also the she being the alien that's uh, has that's taken over Mamie's body says you know or I can just kill Mamie. And that's when Ike signs the treaty. Uh, and then we see, uh, we jump to a different scene and we see some footage of UFOs beaming lights into these three houses. And uh, each house reports someone missing uh, from that house, including a nine year old girl. And this, I believe, was in Topeka, Kansas. And then we cut to three years later. And we see, or we hear that uh, 298 uh, Americans have been taken over the last three years, and they haven't heard anything from the aliens yet. Um, and Eisenhower thinks that they may have been tricked, but all of a sudden, some rumblings happened in the White House, and they look out the window, and right on cue, alien Cody Fern shows up. And then we cut to the credits. Indeed. Um, you know... I love Cody Fern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was great in American Horror Stories. I think he was my MVP of American Horror Stories, even, um, in the role he played in Feral, which I really enjoyed. He was good. Uh, I think I think that this was just... Uh, I'm going to tease some things here and say that th- I feel like this role didn't have a lot of um, room for him to really show his stuff. Uh, it, it, I mean, he's, he's a robot that's effectively emotionless, so I think... Uh, that's probably perhaps that's behind kind of the dynamics of the character. I mean, there were some funny moments, but mm-hmm. I, I I came away from it a little bit feeling like uh, wasted talent in that sense to a certain extent. Um, another question for you: They mention in this beginning when they're watching the video that a nine-year-old girl was beamed up. Is this the same nine-year-old girl that um, you know Ike, Ike Eisenhower later reads about in the newspaper like three years later? And then goes to see, or is that a different girl at that point in time? I I I'm I believe it's the same girl because uh, as soon as he you know in the in the present 
or not the president, but three years later when he discovers these the underground area, uh, he looks and says, and the the he says, oh, that's Caroline Gibbons from Topeka, Kansas. And I googled Caroline Gibbons to see if there was a story about her. Um, I did not find a story about her. There is someone, there's a professor named Caroline Gibbons, but um, I'm assuming that this is the this is the reference of the person that he saw or learned about getting uh, abducted. Right, and then later, of course, he has the um, he reads a newspaper article and right in advance of this years later too that they're still looking for this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody Fern's character's name is Valiant Thor. Thor. Is that there's no N on the end, right? It's Thor is in the god, the god Thor, as in Thor, Marvel Thor, and God Thor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool name, and obviously LBJ makes fun of it later. Did you with like tease out any? meaning there uh, i mean the obvious i guess maybe the aliens have godlike power so that could reference thor i don't really know if anyone has a connection to valiant i didn't come across it there is a book about it but i i don't i it, it's nothing i was familiar with valiant uh, thor is a name though right and then, uh, last question for you about the cold open. Well, so is it in the cold open that he opens his head to show them the, the gears? Yeah, that was pretty cool where he pop, pops open his head and just, you see the mechanical whirly do whirly gigs going around. I thought that was a cool thing. I was trying to think, I mean, this felt like a reference I've seen in other types of things before. Also, have you read any of um, Ted Chiang, uh, the author who writes, he's a short story author who does sci-fi short stories. He wrote the book of short stories, Exhalation. No, I haven't. It's, he writes great stuff. Um, but the title story in the book, Exhalation, is like about these kind of robotic creatures, basically, that like have these uh, mechanical brains and one of them starts dissecting. He like, it's like his notes on dissecting his own brain, kind of. It sounds weird, but it kind of made me think of this. As he kind of takes it apart and tries to feel like where like memories come from and stuff like that. It's it's really well written. He's I mean all the stories in that book are fantastic. Mm. Um, so I recommend that to anybody who is into that kind of stuff as I am. Before we dive into the actual kind of uh, meat of this episode, the body. A couple of notes here. First one is we had a slight writing change this episode. Up until now, we had had for the past few episodes. Well, I think since the beginning of Death Valley, maybe we'd had Manny Cotto, Kristen Rydell and Brad Falchuk, but we had Brad Falchuk drop off this episode, um, mm-hmm. which is t- interesting because he has written on every single episode of Double Feature up until this one. So I want to revisit that at the end and see if you felt like there was an, something missing without Brad Falchuk being around. Mm-hmm. Because we felt he did a, such a good job on, um, on Red Tide. And then finally, uh, so Riley Smith st- uh, was a writer in his place in this one. Riley Smith, prior to this, has been a producer on American Horror Stories, Halston, and Hollywood. So again, big Ryan Murphy uh, veteran. And then director was John J. Gray, who has done episodes already this season. And then, of course, um, or sorry, not of course, we had a uh, Laura Belsey, who I believe is a newcomer to American Horror Story, but has directed Arrow and Walking Dead in the past. Okay. So that was interesting. I don't know that I felt like this episode had anything that I really that really stuck out to me cinematically. I feel like a lot of times we take note of that if there's something uh, specific. And John J. Gray has had some good episodes where that with that more in the past, but 
this episode didn't strike me that way. I don't know if you found anything to be the case. No, this episode struck, to be honest, not much in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it felt muted, kind of like the tones of the past in, in the black and gray. But, um, you know, Valiant, Val, as maybe Eisenhower calls him yeah. later on, uh, brings them a device that very much looks like an original iPod to me with like Matrix-like graphics going up and down the screen, mm -hmm. which yep, they're also says, rebooting. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and he says this is going to bring you know peace to mankind in the future. I don't Yeah, We, we all know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, clearly that was a little bit of a social statement and connects also to our, our Luddite uh, mm -hmm. college students. Uh, and also, you know, ties into Steve Jobs type connection, the fact that it looks like an old iPod. Did you have an old chunky iPod when they first came of out? Of course, yeah. Well, I probably not the first first one, but definitely like the second or third one. I think my first was like an iPod Mini or one of the small. Oh yeah. Mamie in the meantime, I mean, Mamie's an interesting character. Um, even after she's no longer inhabited by the alien, seems just very continues to just be very focused on social affairs. Um, Mamie's and obsessed with personal affairs. <laughs> yeah, Mamie's obsessed with beating Eleanor Roosevelt in the popularity contest, and the way she is trying to do that is by convincing adults to have birthday parties and Halloween parties. <laughs> That's right, and I think she calls Eleanor Roosevelt an old basset hound. Uh, Mamie definitely yeah. has some. Um, uh unclear animosity toward like uh, unclear mo like unclear why it's the case but animosity toward other first ladies <laughs> yeah maybe she She's feels like they got a lot more attention yeah apparently but uh see, her energy seems focused in maybe the wrong directions um but you know basically a lot of this episode it seems to me was just ike eisenhower continuing to kind of lament his decision uh to make a deal with the aliens um you know and so you already teased it, but we have the scene where he goes, he hears the screaming in the vents, the vent ducts, and, you know, follows it all the way down the elevator, following the pipes to the secret nuclear bunker where it's, it's a laboratory, 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 uh, <laughs> right, uh, uh, right cool beneath their, call it laboratory. <laughs> right beneath their feet there in the White House. Um, and that's where he runs into Valiant, who's just chilling, uh, apparently. And, um, you know, he sees all these kind of suspended species in vials and stuff and is kind of disgusted by the idea that, you know, it's just there beneath his feet in the White House. So this is supposed to be the origin story for Area 51. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he feels prompted to give them this space out in the desert so that way they won't be doing it under his feet there in the White House. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, some real history here that in 1954, President Eisenhower authorized the development of a top secret high altitude recon aircraft program, and it required a remote location that wasn't easily accessible to civilians or spies. Thus, Area 51 was built. So that's true that Eisenhower actually did build Area 51. So we have some some true history lining up again here, which which we have mm -hmm. um, had. In some ways, the beginning of this episode has felt like... Um, well, Death Valley has felt like, you know, bringing in pieces of uh, some of the other non-American horror story shows Ryan Murphy has done. I'm thinking of shows like, you know, Hollywood and kind of that vibe there, but also like um, some of the feud ones and things, you know, mm. in, in which we're, we're touching on kind of yeah 
That's a good point. Some people. But uh, then we have the scene not long after that where Ike hears sounds on the wall again, but this time it's Mamie having sex with Val the robot. <laughs> <laughs> this is where this is this is where I started this episode. I started going WTF. Like I, you know, oh, is Ryan Murphy writing on this now? <laughs> like uh, characters are starting to do kind of like off the wall things. <laughs> Um, and then Mamie's justification. First of all, <laughs> he like has a heart attack, or he just passes out. I, it was hard to tell, but he wakes up in bed, and before he says anything, she's like, "It's true. It happened. It really did happen." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because I was like, "Oh, maybe he dreamt it or something." She's like, "No, I gave my body for the national for the national cause." I was like, "I don't know. It's it was funny." But, um, and then obviously she gives, I think, probably the line of the episode. Um, by the way. He loved my fudge. <laughs> I wonder if Mamie Eisenhower really did make a lot of fudge. Have you found any facts on that? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, she, yeah. Yeah. She, view, she views Val as a, a giant vibrator, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, this this was funny. Um, I don't know if it really contributed to the story too much. Uh, I mean, clearly she was feeling spurned by, you know, not having a very good relationship with Ike. And referenced the affair that he mm-hmm. presumably had back during the war, which we talked about at the beginning of this uh, section of the season. Then, of course, we jump in time again. Five more years later, we see Nixon and Ike watching the video of Marilyn Monroe, which has apparently been confiscated by J. Edgar Hoover, in which she's telling the truth about aliens. You know, no one else has seen this yet. Uh, interesting setting at which to tell people about aliens, poolside, but maybe appropriate for Marilyn Monroe. Um, and then, you know... They're trying to decide what to do. Nixon kind of floats the idea that they'll assassinate Marilyn. And Ike kind of is trying to be above it, but, uh, you know, gives his tacit approval to a certain extent, it feels like. Um, And then we get Nixon again giving kind of this whole speech about communists, uh, this time in Hollywood, which, again, real history, there were many. uh, More recent movies that come to mind, like Hail Caesar and Trumbo, where... Communists in Hollywood play a big part, but, you know, there's many movies about communists in Hollywood. Then we um, see Marilyn Monroe die. You know, she thinks that aliens are coming, uh, seems to have a vision. You know, they, they kind of play off of her, you know, you, you feel a little bit bad for her because, like they said, you know, she's she has her addictions and things like that. So maybe she thought aliens were right, coming Right, she has again, her vices. But, alas, it was a conspiracy here. Uh, as well, in which, you know, she was murdered. So then uh, Nixon calls JFK while drinking his Havana Club to basically (laughs) offer some pretty shitty condolences about Marilyn and threaten him not to tell anybody else about the aliens. Yeah, he says, keep the pillow talk quiet. Mm -hmm. Uh, More jumps in time here. One year later, Ike and Dick meet LBJ, bring him to meet Mm -hmm. Val, and together they look at the floating fetuses. I didn't understand why we had this scene other than to show LBJ. I this this was like thirty minutes of like just one person passing off the information to another person while Ike is just stressing about it and second guessing himself the entire time. I don't know. I I don't know what we with with the exception of like maybe like let's we want to somehow work in Marilyn Monroe's conspiracy theory of her death and the alien situation and then give Sarah Paulson a sex scene with Cody Fern. Um, I don't know what this served really. 
Yeah, I mean, I, the most it's like, okay, maybe the, I guess you could also say that maybe uh, what helped I, I uh, push everybody to Area 51 too is he didn't want Val in the house anymore. But yeah, it's like the, yeah. um, the, the creation of Area 51 is maybe like the most... The most action like, necessary you know, like some, something happening. This, yeah. And it, arguable if it was even necessary. But after the LBJ scene, we jump back to the present where Troy is giving birth uh, while Theta speaks into his mind, you know, mm-hmm. gives, him, gives him what I think is a C-section. I've never actually seen a C-section happen. Yeah, that's, but, yep, that's mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. Cutting him open, but he doesn't feel anything. No, and Troy sweetly wants to hold it after, but uh, we do get a pretty, a little bit of a shock when yeah. they slash the baby's throat, which is a little bit hard to watch. Yeah, I was actually looking away when it happened, but I heard his reaction, and I thought... They're just gonna put the baby in the tank <laughs> um, as a specimen, but uh, I was like, "Oh my god, did they snap the baby's neck? That's awful!" And then I rewind. I was like, "Oh god!" I mean, either way, it's awful. Um, even if it's a hybrid alien failure, but because it had too many deformities, still. Um, but oddly, this is where this episode starts to part of the or this part of the timeline starts to frustrate me a little bit. All of a sudden, the, this party guy who was freaking out about being pregnant is obsessed with his baby. Well, and let's talk about that because a week later, Troy comes back to the group. They all have a nice group hug. And he spends a few moments, like more than a few moments, he probably spends two minutes recapping everything we already just saw. Yeah, we didn't um, need that. So it's like, you know, redundant exposition. And then we kind of get this backstory that apparently Troy and Cal, who are still in college, I remind everybody, had actually wanted a baby and maybe had like been planning for this for a while it's i hate when I, this when shows do this nothing nothing that we've learned about these characters so far showed us any inkling of wanting to be parents they were still getting well, over the fact that they were like dating <laughs> now they want to have a family well not only that but i remember in like our little profile cards and everything like the different you know cal was basically a like gym rat uh, obsessed with career ambition and Troy had a cocaine problem. So we're supposed yeah. to think that the two of them were actually trying to start planning in family and having kids. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't yeah. seem right for the characters. So it seems so, a little bit out of nowhere. These are different people than we met early on for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let alone, they just found out they were pregnant, like, like, and bump, like got blown up to nine months pretty quickly. And they were still freaking out about that. And they're in this new location. They have no idea what's going on. And then just like that, after after the delivery, he is just connected to this alien child. Right. Then comes over Calico to shut down their ideas of running away or somehow escaping Area 51. Uh, and we get some backstory, additional backstory. You know, she's given birth to two to three specimens per year and watched mm-hmm. them uh, be killed since then, which does sound pretty traumatizing, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. And she takes them over to a setting of the fake moon landing. So as you mm-hmm. said, uh, we're getting into more conspiracies this time, paper moon theory. Another time jump, flashback to 1969, where in Vegas, she recognized Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin gets the whole backstory from them after she... Gives him a heavy pours. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she gets 
abducted after she apparently went home with them or brought them back to her place. Not I, I, li- I liked that little note at the end. Like, you know, she gets the whole story and then they come and get her. You assume at her house. But then as the guys in Men in Black show up to drug her and bag her head, you look in the background and Buzz and um, Neil are like putting their clothes back on on, on, on bed. So she probably had a little fun with them. <laughs> Seems like that's Good for case. her. Yeah, good for her. Um, you know, it was the last fun she had <laughs> ever. Um, and, you know, she wakes up on, you know, in it looks like a prototype of the kind of alien room we see in the modern day. She's pregnant. It yep. stumbles out to see Stanley Kubrick directing the moonlighting in the other <laughs> room, in the room next door, which is a real theory, I'll say. Uh, have you Did you ever see the room, uh, the documentary Room 237? I have not. Uh, tell me about it. It's awesome. It's a documentary about The Shining. So Room 237, obviously, is... The Overlook Hotel. Yeah, the room in the Overlook. And it presents... uh, There's a lot of conspiracy theories that are associated with the movie The Shining. There's Mm. a lot of people that think that Stanley Kubrick was trying to work um, some little messaging into the movie. And one of the theories that people believe he's trying to work in has to do with... The, uh, that he that he was trying to convey that he staged the moon landing basically and he was the director mm. to do it and there's all these signs that they point to like danny's rocket t- like rocket sweater he has a, a moon landing sweater on and then um there's even really some really sophisticated stuff where at one point when he's playing on the floor the floor you know, you might not remember but the, the carpet in the overlook has these very iconic hexagon patterns all over the carpet. oh yeah yeah and there someone like shows through like a overlay that like it looks exactly like the set of some, uh, you know, something to do with NASA. I don't remember. But it's some people have done some really complicated analysis to, try to draw a link between Kubrick and the moon landing. So this is not something um, that American Horror Story was creating out of nowhere. So, you know, interesting, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Backstory, backstory, little journey backstory from Calico. Back in the present, Cal starts going into labor um wants more time more time with this child that he just got pregnant with and so troy steals a scalpel to cut the baby out themselves on the set of the moon landing <laughs> my first thought was why didn't they at least have kendall do this who is apparently the med student. a medical student so she would like or i was watching this i was like oh this is so unsanitary he's just i mean how is cal gonna survive i i just feel like i don't it this seems is like it's totally jumped the shark. <laughs> no. yeah. um, but then they pull the baby out and they have a touching moment temp. for a half second until it, it uh, wraps its octopus legs um, around Cal's face. And basically we've, we've got an alien um, like from the movie Loose. alien. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Face hugger. Yeah. Um, assuming, assuming Cal's going to die. Right. I think. We'll find out next week. Um, do we care at this point? <laughs> Fair point. No, I should. I don't think I do. I like the um, idea of an alien running loose in Area Fifty One, though. That's kind of fun. But like, 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 a, like ones that the real aliens, the advanced aliens, don't like. One of these hybrids running around that they don't actually like. They don't want to. You you're saying you want some like alien versus predator action? Yeah, AVP, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a couple questions for you before we read this. How did you feel about the time jumps this episode? There was a lot. There was a lot. It, it, I mean, if I had just tuned into this season, I would be kind of 
you know, um, felt like I've been bombarded by a lot of information, jumping around a lot. But having watched American Horror Story for 10 years now, this felt like a lot of episodes in the past have been. So it was fine to, um, to, it, it was, it was easier to follow than it, than I think normally it would be in a, another TV show just cause I'm used to it. I will say it jumped around for a lot of unnecessary reasons. Um, they do this in American Horror Story to give someone's backstory that we don't really need a ton of information on this late in the game, unless it's going to be, uh, you know, really informative to the, to the plot line. Um, it would I, it, I this episode in general just felt like a lot of like scenes they wanted to do and try to connect them to get us to to get us to the finale, which I don't know how much this really even sets up the finale besides the two things that happened where we know why area fifty one was set up, sort of, even though we all kind of already knew that of how it got set up or or we at least had theories about it. this didn't really give us anything special about that, and to the we got to see what the birth of one of these aliens in the present time looks like. Yeah. I agree. I feel like this episode was a lot of brooding Eisenhower. I mean, you know, they, we already kind of knew what was coming. We knew they were going to get the technology. We already kind of, I mean, we know the history. So it's like, I don't know that there was any big surprises that happened in this episode, especially. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know when I when I look back on it it's like well what were my favorite parts? I enjoyed Calico's tryst with Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong mm-hmm. and running into Kubrick and stuff. I enjoyed Mamie banging the robot. And what's distinctive to me about both of those is they don't have anything to do with the story itself really. And so it's like it's almost like they made this episode and they're like, "Oh, there's not anything really interesting or eventful happening here, so we have to shove in some little tangential stuff to actually entertain people throughout this episode. Um, so that's how I kind of felt about it a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like what has been the point of hanging out in the past so often and watching people pass, pass the alien history. Alone? So I wrote this down too. I was like, where is this going to end? You know, what, what has been promised to the audience? Cause in the beginning of a show, you kind of have a premise that's set up that it's going to pay off. Cause you're going to find something you, you're sticking around to learn something in the end, whether it's a mystery and you find out what the mystery answers to the mystery is, or some sort of semblance of an answer, or you're waiting to see what happens to a certain character or person who's going through a transformation. I don't know what that is for this because the two time eras that we're dabbling in, are connected we know now because it's area 51 but the only thing that we got was for me was the highlight or a a tease in the episode preview for next week which we hear them say cody fern i think says it or valiant thor says that we will we project that the the first actual successful hybrid will be born in 2021 which what how why and you know why waste all the time i'm just i don't i don't i I don't know what we'd stick around for the final episode for i know i know why you and i would but i don't know why um, a casual watcher tuning in for the season would want to stick around i know it's almost yeah it's almost like i wanted him to say something like we'll find out the first you know hybrid will be born in like 1985 or something like that and then it would have been interesting because it could have been a character we knew and didn't realize was an alien or something like there could have been mm-hmm. some big twist from it but now the likelihood probably is that one of i mean we know it's not it's probably gonna Troy be, or cal it's so it's gonna, gonna be, be 
Um, One of our two remaining. Yeah, I mean, probably. It's probably it's going to be Kendall. Um, Kendall's probably going to be carrying the first humanoid alien. Um, which at that point, I don't know what makes it alien anymore. Um, maybe it has mind reading <laughs> powers. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we digress. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Do you have more, more questions or thoughts? I honestly don't. I, I, we've covered everything and I, there wasn't enough that challenged me or made me think or get excited. It was fine. And, you know, I watched it, but as soon as the boys were having the baby and the moon landing, I would, it took everything to stop my thumb from hitting the fast forward button. Cause I was kind of like done with this. I was like, let's keep, keep it moving. Yeah. We should use as a rating mechanism, failed alien hybrids. <laughs> That's quite on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I will give this. Oh, now that I'm talking about, it, I want to lower my score. Um, I'm gonna say two point seven five. I was gonna mm. say three, but it just I I don't think I'll ever go back and watch this episode. Yeah, I I feel you on that. So two point seven five failed alien hybrids. I think I I think I am going to give it three. I don't have a really good reason for giving it higher than you, just other than I liked those two little tangents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was fun. Um, it it was it was fun, but it wasn't. You know, there was not a cohesive story to it. Which I mean, is not a new problem for some American Horror Story seasons, but was kind of a, a thing that I, for the most part, kind of liked about. Uh, Red Tide is there wasn't too much of that. Everything kind of felt like it was it was a big piece of the story and characters developments and this and that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything was plugging along, and even if there were lulls, they were entertaining and exciting. I in the middle of this, I was like, I wish I was still watching Red Tide. <laughs> I know. So I think that I'm yeah, I'm going to give it three um, Matrix iPods. <laughs> and so that nice. comes out to a so, not so solid oof, five and three quarters, which is is that our low Probably for the season? Lo- Definitely the low for the season. I would, I think so. Yeah, bummer, bummer. Um, not what you want to see in the penultimate episode of a season. Hoping it bounces back for the finale next week. I have reservations. Um, what would I mean? Do we? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Divorced, yeah. divorced from Red Tide. Assuming that there's no connection to Red Tide. What would have to happen mm. in this finale to stick the landing for you for this season? For for Death Valley. Is it possible? I don't think it's possible. I think I'll st- I think if it I I don't I you know I I'd have to think about that. I don't know. I don't know. I can't there's nothing that I can pull out of my pocket right now that I'd say like, you know, if if the guys and the girls just decided to like take kill the aliens and then Ripley from aliens shows up and befriends them. And then they take on all the aliens. And then Cody Fern has a baby with Mamie that I, I I don't know. (laughs) I have really no idea. (laughs) This is so far in a weird space right now, both the historical stuff that just doesn't seem to matter anymore in this episode. Mm -hmm. It was exciting in the beginning. And now it's like, I don't, you know, nothing is interesting here. And then the, the new present time is just bizarre with the way they've changed the, at least the, the boys, uh, 
the characters in this that I don't I don't know what can make it better. Yeah, I think we missed Brad Falchuk's writing on this episode too. Just gonna ask you that. Yeah, so is he back in the finale? I'm not sure. I haven't looked yet. So hopefully, so fingers. I would I would hope for a finale. So fingers crossed for that. For me to stick the landing in the finale. Okay, good, good. To stick the landing in the finale, I just feel like there would need to be something that was truly surprising. Mm-hmm. And the way the season's headed right now, I, I'm not sure what that would be. Um, but I'm hopeful. You know, I think that's, that's not the highest bar. So we'll see what happens. Um, I wonder if American Horror Story shouldn't be dabbling in sci-fi. Interesting point. And perhaps fair enough. I mean, you know, sci-fi and horror intersect a little bit but not always mm-hmm. right right and we're kind of you know i feel like we moved away from the horror aspect a touch uh the direction we've gone with death valley but yeah personal opinion we'll be curious to hear what others think so we want to hear from you all uh, what would have to happen in the in the finale for the this season of stick landing for you i know herbert hoover shows up <laughs> from the past he's resurrected yeah. has a fist fight so with jay edgar hoover <laughs> yes i like of course i know jay edgar hoover that's i'm such an idiot like, uh, no anyway. no but herbert it hoover was, shows up you're good it was late <laughs> not a problem um just a laughable moment for all of us <laughs> at your expense um yeah i unless you have anything else to say i think it's just a shrug and a shake of the head and uh we'll see what happens next week yep so it goes, okay, Chris, between now and next week, where can people find you? I will be on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Uh, where can people find you, Tyler? You can find me on both of those platforms at TJMoss11. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, uh, please feel free to email us at This American Horror Story or comment uh, or send us a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash This American Horror Story. We promise we'll figure out how to find your comments and messages. <laughs> and um, we always appreciate you rating us, reviewing us on your favorite podcast platform. Helps uh, get the word out, spread this thing a little bit further, a little bit wider. There's still a lot of people who listen, to, well, not listen. There's still a lot of people who watch American Horror Story are big fans of this franchise, this show, just as we all are. So it kind of uh, is fun just to continue to connect people and build the community around that. So all that being said, until next week, happy hauntings.